Welcome to New Providence Missionary Baptist Church, where we envision to build a biblical community of loving believers, which have a personal relationship with God and each other, modeling the pattern of lifestyle of Jesus Christ. Join us now as we prepare our hearts and minds to hear and receive the Word of God from the man of God, Senior Pastor Rev. Nathaniel Wood. My brothers and sisters, on the second Sunday of the month of April, I began a series of sermons titled, Moving into the Promised Land. I shared with you that as we as New Providence Baptist Church make preparations to move into the new promised land that God has for us, that I thought it would be beneficial for us to look at the children of Israel as they entered into the promised land as recorded in the Old Testament book of Joshua. I told you that I believe that we as a church family can learn some valuable lessons from the children of Israel that will help us to navigate and conquer the new promised land that God has for us. In the first sermon found in Joshua chapters 4 and 5, we learn the lessons that as we move into the promised land, that we should not allow ourselves to get distracted or deterred by the obstacles that are before us. But we should trust God to make a way out of no way. We should not allow the Jordan rivers that we come upon to deter us nor distract us from moving forward. The second lesson that we learned from the Israelites as they moved into the promised land was don't be discouraged by opposition as you move into your promised land. There will always be opposition as we move into our promised land. But we must believe that God will fight for us. And I shared with you a third lesson in the first sermon. And that lesson was that everything that God commands us to do won't feel good to us. And sometimes God will require obedience and things that are painful and hurtful. Then on the third Sunday, we continued to move into the promised land with the children of Israel as they encountered the city of Jericho. We learned that Jericho was a fortified city. There was a wall around the entire city of Jericho. 
And the king of Jericho barred the gates of Jericho because he heard that the Israelites were heading toward the city. But we learned the lesson that if God has something for us, no one can stop us from getting what God has for us. God tells Joshua and the Israelite army to march around the city one time for six days. On the seventh day, he told them to march around the city seven times. And after the seventh time, to shout. And we learned a lesson, a second lesson. And that lesson was to let the enemy know that you are not scared. Though it may seem like the enemy has the advantage, we must not be afraid to move forward. And then another lesson that we learned from Joshua and the children of Israel as they moved into the promised land and marched around the wall of Jericho was total obedience to God is necessary for victory. As long as they obeyed God's instructions and God's directions, the children of Israel were assured victory. Partial obedience is disobedience. And disobedience ushers in defeat. And only total obedience to God assures victory. We also learned another lesson from Joshua and the Israelites about the importance of the discipline of the practice of silence. God tells Joshua to have the army march around the city in silence. In other words... Everybody should not get a response from us. Sometimes we don't need to let the enemy know our thoughts. And the last lesson in Sermon 2 that we learned from Joshua and the children of Israel was don't forget to shout. Don't forget to praise the Lord for the victories that he has given unto us. And then on last Sunday, as we continued our march with Joshua and the children of Israel into the promised land, we learned a few lessons from them as they moved toward the city of Ai. God told Joshua to tell the people in Joshua chapter 6, verses 17 through 19, that the city of Jericho, I mean of Ai, and all that are in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab, the prostitute, and all who are with her in the house shall be spared, because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things 
so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. We learned that everybody was told what God demanded. Everybody knew that everything in the city of Jericho was to be destroyed except the silver, the gold, the article made of bronze, and the articles made of iron. But on last Sunday, we learned that there was one brother, one person, who decided to go contrary to the commands of the Lord. One person who violated the law and thought that he could get away with it. <laughs> Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. And I told you on last Sunday that if that it only takes one person's disobedience to mess things up for everybody else. In verse 2 of chapter 7, we learn that Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai to spy out the region. When the spies returned to Joshua, they said, not all the army will have to go up against Ai. Joshua, just send two or 3,000 men to take it and do not weary the whole army for only a few people live there. And here we discovered the first lesson from Joshua and the children of Israel as they move into the promised land toward the city of Ai. And that lesson was, don't underestimate the strength of the enemy. The spies came back to Joshua and told Joshua that he did not need to send the entire army, but just a few. Israel had overestimated their own strength. And sometimes, just like the Israelites, we too have experienced times when we thought that we were ready to face and conquer our enemies just to discover that we were not as ready as we thought we were. Am I right about it? There have been times that we underestimated the strength of the enemy, and suffered a great defeat. We suffered the loss of our joy, of our peace, of our hope, of our spiritual stamina, and some of us almost lost our minds. My brothers and sisters, we learned on last Sunday, we must not assume that one victory 
guarantees another victory. We cannot just do what we did in the past and think that it will assure us victory in the future. We must put on the whole armor of God in order to stand against the wiles of the devil. And then the second lesson that we learned on last Sunday was don't forget the importance of the priority of prayer. After the spies tell Joshua not to send the whole army to conquer the city of Ai, the scriptures told us that Joshua sent up 3,000 men. But then we learned that there was no indication in the text that Joshua nor the elders of Israel sought out first what the will of the Lord was. They did not consult God about a battle strategy or even how to take the city of Ai. They just went up. Joshua and the children of Israel should have learned the lesson on the importance of consulting with God before they made any moves toward the city of Ai. There's no mention of prayer. There's no evidence that they were depending on God for their victory over Ai. They just thought that they themselves had the power to win at Ai. And I suggested to us that many of us have entered into some battles in which we failed to pray first about because we too thought that we had the strength on our own to win. Just to discover that we should have consulted or prayed to God first. If Joshua and the children of Israel would have prayed before they went up to Ai, God could have told them not to go up against the city because sin was in their camp and that they would be defeated. God could have warned them that someone in their camp took of the devoted things. God could have diverted them from destruction. But we learn that it was after they had been defeated that Joshua and the elders of Israel decided finally that we better pray. <laughs> Verse 6 told us, Then Joshua, after defeat, tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. And the elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. And I told us on last Sunday that we too oftentimes wait until things are not looking good for us to finally pray. When we fail to prioritize prayer, 
we are subject to experiencing a great loss or defeat in our lives. Well, my brothers and sisters, today I want to lift up a few more lessons that we can learn from Joshua and the children of Israel as they move into the promised land. I believe that there are a few more very important lessons that we can learn from their experience at AI that will help us as we move into our new promised land. We want to pick up today from where we left off on last Sunday in Joshua chapter 7. Joshua was stunned by the Israelites' defeat at Ai. And beginning at verse 7 of chapter 7, Joshua begins to verbalize his perplexity about the events that just happened to the army of Israel. Joshua asked God three questions. Why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of of the Amorites to destroy us. What can I say now that Israel has been defeated? What then will you do for your own great name? In other words, Joshua is asking, what will you do to protect your reputation. Notice with me. Joshua seems to blame God for the defeat at Ai and did not even consider that the cause might have been elsewhere. <laughs> Joshua says to God, why did you? In other words, he shifted the total blame on God for their defeat. And come on, my brothers and sisters, don't we too blame God when things don't go like we plan them to go? Don't we get mad at God and stop praying, stop reading our Bibles, stop coming to church when God does not answer our prayers the way we want him to? We think that just because we have been living holy for a few hours, 
that God should make all of our enemies our footstools and assure us victory in all things. But let me quickly remind you that the failure is not in God. It is in us. <laughs> so the first lesson that we want to lift to you today is don't blame God for your blunders or mistakes. Don't blame God for your blunders or mistakes. Joshua blamed God for their defeat instead of looking at himself or the children of Israel as the cause. And some of us watching and listening today need to be honest with ourselves and admit that some of our defeats came as a result of our own blunders, of our own disobedience of our own sins. We're the one that got out of line. We violated God's covenant. We missed the mark. And God, because he loves us, had to send into our lives correction to bring us back to the place of obedience. All you saying, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying instead of blaming God for our blunders, we ought to thank God for his loving correction. God tells Joshua in the scriptural text, stand up. What are you doing on your face? In other words, God was saying to Joshua, look, Joshua, you should have gotten on your face before you went and sent those men up to Ai. You should have consulted me before you made your move against Ai. Get up. And stop blaming me for your defeat. I told you, Joshua, even before you entered this land, that if you and the people will obey all of my commandments and statutes, that I would give you victory over the enemies who reside in the land. So listen, Joshua. The blame is not mine. Israel has sinned. Israel has violated my covenant and are made liable to destruction. Israel has stolen. Israel has lied. Israel has put what I said was devoted to me 
with their own possessions. And Joshua, because Israel has sinned, I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever is among you of the devoted things that I told you not to take. And my brothers and sisters, I don't know how you feel about it, but I never want to hear the Lord say to me the words, I will not be with you anymore. Thank God that he has made you and me a promise that he would never leave us nor forsake us. Aren't you glad about that? What a tough and difficult place for Joshua and the children of Israel to be in. To have the all-powerful, the almighty, the sovereign God say, I will not be with you anymore. Remember who said that. It was the God who brought them out of Egyptian bondage. The God who parted the Red Sea for them to cross through on dry land. The God who provided food and water for them for 40 years in the wilderness. The God who parted the Jordan River so they could enter into the promised land on dry land. And the God who gave them victory at Gilgo and Jericho. It was the same God who has had Israel's back who now says, I will not be with you anymore. This had to be devastating for Joshua to hear. But thanks be to God that God does not end the conversation with those words. He does not say to Joshua that he will not give the Israelites the chance to get back into a right relationship with him. He does not say that it is over for them just because they sinned against him. And my brothers and sisters, Aren't you glad this morning that God gives us the opportunity to get right with him even when we mess up 
and violate his commandments and his laws. Aren't you glad that God gives us another chance to get things right with him? Well, God tells Joshua, if he and the children of Israel want his presence and power again in their lives, that they must consecrate themselves. In other words, God tells Joshua that the people must make or declare themselves as devoted or sacred to the Lord. They must acknowledge the truth that God is holy and that he calls them, and not only them, but he calls us to be holy. God tells Joshua to gather the Israelites on the next day in order to identify the offender. <laughs> he tells Joshua to bring the people by tribes, then clans, then families, and then by individuals before him, and that he will choose and reveal who the guilty party is. This brings us to the second lesson that we learn from Joshua and the children of Israel. And the second lesson is this. We cannot, you cannot hide your sin from God. Joshua is told that God was going to reveal who it was that sinned against him. In other words, the culprit could not hide his sin from God. Matter of fact, God saw Achan when Achan saw, coveted, took, and buried the devoted things in his tent. Achan thought that he could get away with his sin and that as long as others did not know about it, that he would suffer no consequences. But the omniscient and all-knowing God said, in essence, I'm going to bust him. <laughs> and just like Achan, let me warn 
somebody who is watching and listening today that the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. <laughs> Don't you ever think that God can't reveal to others your sin. Don't you become so arrogant in your thinking that you believe that you can get over on the God of creation. I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, we cannot hide our sins from God. God tells Joshua that he will choose and reveal the individual who was responsible for their defeat. And the Bible tells us that Joshua brings the Israelites tribe by tribe, then clan by clan, then family by family, and then by individual before the Lord. And he reveals that Achan, the son of Carmi, was the culprit. <laughs> now, notice with me the process that God used to reveal Achan as the culprit. Understand with me that that process took some time. Remember that the purging process did not start to the next morning. And then God called for the heads of tribes, clans, families, and then individuals to present themselves. In other words, it took time. Now, I don't know how you feel about it, but to me, Aiken must have thought that even after God said that he was going to reveal who was guilty, Aiken must have thought that God was going to suffer a bout of amnesia and forget that he was the guilty one. Let me tell you something. If I was aching when God said that he was going to choose and reveal the guilty party, I would not have waited until the next morning nor waited until God went through the process of calling everyone to appear before him to admit that I was the guilty 
offender. You know why? Because if God is the chooser, then I know that God is always right. <laughs> this brings us to our next lesson. And the lesson is this. Don't hesitate to repent and confess your sin. Let me give you that lesson again. Don't you hesitate to repent and confess your sin. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe, just maybe, if Achan would have fessed up and acknowledged his sin, that God might have had mercy on him and spared his life. But because Achan initially refused to confess his sin and thought that he could escape the wrath of God, he ended up in a world of trouble. And listen to me good. When we fail to repent and confess our sin, we too bring the judgment and correction of God upon our lives. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying we don't need to waste any of our time living with unconfessed sin because unconfessed sin breaks our fellowship with God. Mm. Lest I keep us too long, let me say right here that I see the grace of God in operation in allowing the purging process to take place. God could have killed Achan right on the spot when he took the devoted things. But God gave him time to repent and confess his sin. And I don't know about you, but I thank God for his amazing grace that gives you and me a little time to repent and confess our sins. Aren't you glad for grace this morning, well, in closing today, we learn one more lesson from Joshua and the children of Israel. And the lesson is this. Sometimes you and I have to remove 
or separate ourselves from that which keeps us from accomplishing or obeying God's will. Did you hear what I said? Let me say it again. Sometimes you and I have to remove or separate ourselves from that which keeps us from accomplishing the will of God. God tells Joshua to tell the people that whoever is caught with the devoted things shall be destroyed by fire along with all that belongs to him. He has violated the covenant of the Lord and has done an outrageous thing in Israel. Achan's sin made the whole nation of Israel liable to destruction. Achan's sin was in deliberate disobedience to God's instructions and again caused the whole nation to suffer defeat. So God tells them that they must remove and separate themselves from the one who brought the trouble to them. And my brothers and sisters, some of us are having the troubles that we are currently facing only because we refuse to separate from the troublemakers in our lives. Come on now. We know that some of the people that we hang out with are living in total disobedience to God. But instead of speaking words of correction and instead of cutting them off, we tolerate their disobedience and in some cases become an enabler to them in their sin. I know I'm right about it. But there comes a time when we have to make a decision that we won't let them bring any more destruction into our lives. We must decide as for me and my house, 
we will serve the Lord. We must separate and remove ourselves from the things that hinder, stop our walk in obedience to God. And I don't know about you, but Nathaniel Jeffrey Wood has decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus and I won't let no one or nothing turn me back from following the Lord. If I've got to cut you off, I don't mind cutting you off because I want Jesus' presence in my life. I'm tired of having destruction all around me. So therefore, Lord have mercy, I choose to live in obedience to God's will and way. Why, Pastor Wood? Because God has been too good to me. Has he been good to you? Has he made a way out of no way? Has he opened doors for you? that others might have closed in your face? Has he provided for you? Has he protected you? Has he healed your body when you were sick? Has he provided an economic means to sustain you as you live in life? I don't know how you feel about it, but God has been good to me. And because he's been good to me, he's worthy. I said he's worthy. He's worthy to be praised. He's worthy for my holy living. He's worthy of my obedience. He's worthy to be praised. And so therefore, I'm gonna consult him in prayer first. <laughs> and then I'm going to seek his guidance and seek his counsel and seek his leading in my life. Not, I pray that I not hard-headed and get arrogant <laughs> like the children of Israel did and think that they could do things on their own. I know that if it had not been for the Lord in my life, if it hadn't been for his presence, I know that I would have walked into destruction after destruction. But 
the Lord kept me. Aren't you glad that we serve a God who keeps us? He keeps us from falling. He keeps us from choosing to do the wrong thing. Thank God for the presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer who is our guide and our keeper. God bless you. We know that you have been blessed through the hearing of God's Word on this day. We invite you to join us at New Providence Missionary Baptist Church, located at 4813 Hilltop Needmore Road, Fuquay, Arena, North Carolina. For more information, you can contact our ministry at 919-552-3531 or visit our website at www.newprovidencebaptist.com. Thank you for joining us and be blessed.